This episode was originally recorded and posted in 2019. This is Secrets of the Art World. Hey, I'm your host, Matt Gleason, and we're going to get right to it. What's the big news in the art world today? Well, the big news in the art world today is that there is a major auction coming up May 15th. I'm recording this on May 8th, 2019. And the auction is Christie's Contemporary Sale, Evening Sale. The, see the afternoon sale? Eh. Or the, they used to call it the arcade sale. Um, but the evening sale, mm, that's, that's, that's when the big dogs are out. So if you're in the, uh, afternoon sale, that means one day, maybe you'll be in the evening sale. So the big story is Christie's hype of the centerpiece of its contemporary auction, Rabbit by Jeff Koons, a 1986 sculpture. Now, Rabbit, if you haven't seen it, uh, there's one, it's an addition of three plus an artist proof. There's one at the Broad Foundation. Uh, so maybe you've seen it. It's the Chrome Rabbit. And when I, it's not a rabbit, it's from a inflatable Easter rabbit holding a carrot. Um, but cast as a metallic sculpture, it uh, loses the cartoon imagery of the, you know, the rabbit, and it's not, you know, like a hot pink or a neon orange. It's this chrome, minimalist uh, thing, artwork. And, um, but the story here, uh, it, it, first off, the story is, it, it, it's, it's a very rare piece. Uh, and of the four that exist, the artist proof, I assume it's in Jeff, Coons's collection. There's one at the Eli Broad, and then there's one owned by a couple that is already promised to a museum. Although if this thing breaks some records, maybe they go, yeah, promises are meant to be broken. Um, but it is the from the collection, which will be auctioned off of Cy Newhouse. S-I Newhouse, get it, Cy. Um, publisher, owner of Condé Nast, uh, you know, a New Yorker's New Yorker. So it's going to be a major, major sale. And this is the centerpiece. And uh, the story here, though, is the hype. Christie's is pulling out all the stops to hype the sale of Rabbit by Jeff Koons, the 1986 stainless steel sculpture. So uh, I have in front of me the I don't want to call it a press release. It's the, the Christie's website. And it, what it's great is it's, it's telling you rabbit by Jeff Koons, a chance to own the controversy. There's something awesome about um, the auction house press because it really is written to that billionaire who, but, but it's on a website. So the billionaire is reading it, but you're reading. It. It's not like they sent a letter to the billionaire and he alone read it. So he or she alone, there are female billionaires out there. And, so imagine you can, you don't, you don't, this is their private letter. This is that, this is how you hype something. Imagine uh, how many uh, marketing pickups you can get 
uh, how many tips you can get just by reading how one of the top auction houses, one of the, you know, the Sotheby's and Christie's as far as the top two, they're fighting it out. With this sale, maybe Christie's will become number one. Right now it's number two. It's kind of Sotheby's is kind of number one. But, um, you know, and then, then there's a drop down to, uh, I think, Phillips, right? And then another drop down. I don't even, then, then there's a big steep drop. So, um, but Christie's markets. So, so this is, you know, you're an artist uh, listening or you're in the art world. This is how the top place in the art world, top one of the top auction houses, markets to the top buyers. This is a chance to own the controversy. So they're selling controversy. Think about that. You know, the staid, refined auction house. But now the way to sell something is to sell its fundamentally controversial nature. Interesting. I mean, that's that's a, that's a, as cultural a shift as uh, many uh, as as there may be. Um, so it's a thirty-three years old. It's three foot high. I'm 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 looking at the thing now, and I'm going through some of the stuff. Some of the stuff. It's it's uh, it, it says a it's a once cute yet imposing, melding a minimalist sheen with a cartoonish sense of play. So that appeals to the to the couple, the man and the woman, right? You know, oh, right. Oh. It is crisp and cool in its appearance, yet taps into the visual language of childhood. Uh, its lack of facial features renders it inscrutable, yet its form evokes fun and frivolity. So, so it's you, you see how this is just—it's setting this up as this amazing artwork with uh, these really tense and yet resolved juxtapositions. And great art really is when tension is present yet resolved. Um, so blah, blah, blah. A few works of art of its generation can have the same instant recognizability. It has been on the cover of books, exhibition catalogs, and magazines. A monumental blown-up version even featured in the 2007 Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. That might lessen the value, okay? Just just a thought there, Christie's. You don't have to mention everything. Okay, um... But then, okay, here's where, okay, let's, let's, let's lay it on thick. It is almost impossible to underestimate the impact that Rabbit has on its viewers. Well, I, I looked at it as a piece of shit, Jeff Koons. And the impact it has made more widely. Some have labeled it a lazy joke, a visual con that was not what it seemed. Others have embraced its sharp wit. But Rabbit's many inherent contradictions, at once light and heavy, hard and soft, are also its greatest power. It was a thumb in the eye of the art world while at the same time embracing its attitude and aesthetics. Accurate, very accurate. It was a thumb in the eye, but it was a thumb in the eye, not really of the art world. The art world really dug it. Jeff Koons figured out a few things, and it took me a long time to catch up, I'll have to admit. Now, I'm, not, I'm no Jeff Koons fan. He's a better sculptor than he is the, 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 the static work on the walls. Uh, the wall works, to me, are, are beyond they're they're terrible they're, they're they're not even up for discussion uh but his sculpture i think uh we can we can discuss his sculpture uh i'm not the biggest fan but i have to respect a lot of what he figured out more as a businessman i'm gonna say as a, as a product designer he figured out that he needed to make the object to satisfy the needs of they weren't called the one percent then but they sure were the one percent um so this is in the 80s when he's doing this. And I'll tell you when I figured it out. You see, there's a thing in art, a lot of people, 
not 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 the top of the art world. This is it was a thumb in the eye of the art world. It was not a thumb in the eye of the art world. Specifically for the following reason. Most people in art, not, 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 not these top players in the art world, but most people in art, most people who gravitate towards art, they come to art because it separates them from their middle class upbringing or their lower class upbringing or even their upper middle class or even their lower upper class. Art gives you this badge of identity that separates and frees you from the connection to everything that was embraced by everyone around you in a suffocating mass conformity. Now, I'm not saying that the skateboarder down the street and the policeman around the corner embraced the same conformity but they embrace the same mass conformity. And this is still happening today. There's less of a middle class, but I can tell you that it's still happening today culturally. People who get into art sneer at the ordinary. All of them. Every one of you. Every one of you is in art as a way to break, to make some break from some suffocation that the culture at large put upon you. Oh, I'm into art. I'm, I'm above that. Every one of you. Me too. Every one of us. Now, I realized this a couple years ago. And uh, my gallery in Chinatown, I put a Winnie the Pooh ride in front of my gallery. I'm in Chinatown and there's in the central plaza there's a Winnie the Pooh and it says riding in the honeypot is so much friendlier with you. And you can get in you being a little kid gets in and sits on the on the little bench with Winnie the Pooh and then mom puts in a dollar, not a quarter anymore. But mom puts in four quarters and the thing spins around for approximately 1 minute and 5 seconds with the Winnie the Pooh theme song playing and the kid Got there, mom, can I get the ride? Okay. And so I saw this and I saw the guy getting change out of it one day. And I said, hey, I would love to put one of these in front of my store. I think it would help my business and you can have all the money. They, I think they split it like 60-40. And uh, so the guy, he brought me a Winnie the Pooh. I couldn't believe it. He brought me a Winnie. He said it was very popular. Let's try it out. But it's got to make some money. I said, okay. Now, I have to confess, I knew it wasn't going to make any money in my spot because we're my gallery is, uh, the, the Chungking Road of Galleries is not the main uh, tourist drag, and especially people bringing kids. It just wasn't going to happen. But what I wanted to do was see who, who in the art world was repulsed by it. Because, you see, Jeff Koons understood that many people in, are in art. Most of us are in art because we want to break from that middle class that suffocation and have this one special way of looking at the world that, that separates us. And, and then he gave us an emblem, this rabbit, this thing straight from the center of the middle class. I mean, there's nothing more lame than going to Kmart in 1984 
and seeing the inflatable little bunny sculpture holding a carrot. There's nothing more in the center of the middle class. So, so Jeff Koons found this thing, and then he makes it this, this god, this eternal steel, you know, taking up room in the museums. He, he took the center of the middle class, and he put it in the center of the museum, this ego identifier that we have to break from the, the, the whole culture that we were grown up, everything we grew up with. Oh, and... So I put this Winnie the Pooh there to see who could not, who was, who was using art to break from the middle class. And, and, then, and then who wasn't? Who, you see, you get to the point at the top of the art world, people aren't using, you know, they're, they're, they're not from the middle class. They aren't using art as this escape thing. Art to them is like, you know, this vehicle to live forever. You know, the collectors, they're, they're, you know, they're shepherding this stuff into eternity. Culture is a dialogue with eternity. It's not this ego, art is not this ego identifier for them to separate themselves from their class because their class, they're into their class. They're into showing off to their class. And they're saying, look, while you other rich people are, um, you know, jet skiing or, or, you know, going to Monaco, uh, and and doing whatever whatever else you do, well, hey, we, uh, us one percenter collectors, we're taking culture into eternity. My name is on the building of the museum, the room of the museum. I donated this great artwork that's going to be in the museum forever. I have cheated death through art, and so these people are not hung up by middle class imagery. So people in Chinatown howled at me for having this uh, Winnie the Pooh. And it was the people who are in art because they got a fucking ego that says, oh, I'm so much separated from everything I came from because I'm sophisticated because I'm into art. But the people who saw the Winnie the Pooh thing and laughed and said, oh, my God, that's brilliant to put this out. Like, oh, hey, yeah, you're going to an art gallery. Well, look, you have to you are confronted with the middle class stuff. So with this middle-class uh, icon. So mine was Winnie the Pooh, which, by the way, is the biggest-selling Disney character, even after they acquired Star Wars. But um, it, I, I had kind of come to realize Jeff Koons's brilliance in marketing these middle-class tchotchkes, because everybody, and myself included, coming from the middle class, is like, oh, my God, I got into art to get away from this shit, and then I walk into the museum, and here it is. But you see the 1% who run the museums, it's their museums, not ours, no matter what they say, no matter if they're public institutions. The 1% say, oh, this is cool because this is this icon of mass culture, but it's been made so it, it's just for me. And now I get to take it into eternity in my museum named after me. That's what Eli Broad did. And that's what someone is going to do at Christie's on May 15th when they buy at auction, Rabbit by Jeff Koons, supposedly the most influential sculpture of the 80s. And I, I remember in the 80s, the first time I saw it, I was so just disgusted because it was everything about beautiful minimalism and then everything I hated about myself. No, no, no. Everything I, not everything I hated about America, not everything I hated about middle class, not everything I hated about Kmart. 
It was everything I hated about myself. And it's everything you hate about yourself. It's brilliant that Jeff Koons can show us the thing we hate and show a one percenter the thing they love. And that is my podcast, Secrets of the Art World. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope to see you at Christie's May 15th. I'm not actually going to be there, but maybe maybe you'll be the one buying it. Woohoo! This episode was originally recorded and posted in 2019.